gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, episode 53. Rob Ford, taking care of business. We are going to be covering Toronto, for, former Toronto mayor, now deceased, RIP, Rob Ford. Now, if you were around in 2016, 2013, 2015, 2014, you probably only know this guy as the Toronto mayor who got caught smoking crack on video, which is part of his story. That did happen. I actually think it happened more than once, to be honest with you. We'll get it. Look, it's not. This is definitely going to be the rise of Rob Ford. And as far as the fall of Rob Ford goes, in my opinion, there it wasn't like a complete fall, dude. He okay. He did. He is deceased now from cancer. But as far as his political career goes. Before he got cancer, even after the crack smoking video and a couple of other things we're just going to mention, yeah, his political career was still salvageable as I understand it. Now, the way I went about this one, alright, so it's, it's pretty easy to find Rob Ford information about all the bad shit he did, which is how I, I knew him. That's the only way I knew him. I've, li I've lived in the Philadelphia area, South Jersey, my whole, whole life. And I only heard about this guy because he was, you know, he was uh, he was known as a wild man of Toronto. He was uh, he he went on Jimmy Kimmel and Kimmel made fun of him for uh, you know substance abuse a little bit, but he rolled with it when he was on Kimmel. And he would, and he was running for mayor again at the time. That's all I knew about him, and I, uh, his clips on on YouTube make me laugh. Like the IG post for this is almost for sure just going to be hilarious. Rob Ford quotes from press press events or on the on the floor. I mean the guy the guy was outspoken to to undersell it, okay? But I wanted to do the episode because the guy was the mayor of Toronto. And you don't I I I, I don't know how honestly if you asked me how he got there, I would have said by accident or something. I I don't I didn't understand how you could become the mayor of Toronto and then have all that shit happen. I didn't I just didn't know the guy's story. And he makes me laugh on the internet. If, if I'm ever, if I'm ever really fucked up and sad, and I, and I can think to look up Rob Ford clips, it will make me laugh. The guy will make me laugh. So I wanted to do his story. I don't know shit about Canadian politics. I appreciate you guys giving me the extra day. I posted online on Sunday. I was looking at this, and I was like, I don't, I can only find the bad shit on him. And I was also, I also had an offer to go help build a swing set, slash paint a swing set. You know, that was a pretty good time. Get in on that, a little bit of. A little fun time building the swing set for some Ninos. So got in on that, took a break. And then I wanted the other side of the story. You can only find bad shit on Rob Ford. So I, fu I fucking bought the book. I bought, he has a book. It's called Ford Nation. It was written by his brother, Doug Ford. And it was, it was supposed to be written by both Rob Ford and Doug Ford. But, but Rob Ford got cancer and then passed away. And so, as I understand it, the the book is mo. It, I mean, I've read it. It's it's mostly Doug, and then some inserts from people who knew and loved Rob Ford pe from other politicians, and it, it follow it charts Rob Ford's whole political career, which is what I wanted to learn about. How'd you get there? What's the story here? You don't just end up on TV and and you're the mayor of fucking Toronto, and they're like, I fucking smoke crack, and then you're at a press conference, be like, yeah, I did that. I don't know. We're moving forward, dude. I, there's got to be more of a story to it, so I I bought the book and I I read it, and it, it wasn't even it, it wasn't even like a Mag Magneto Gorse book was was heavy duty. This was like 200 pages. It wasn't even a big deal, and it was all written in like 
Canadian speak. It was like the the opening of the book. The one of the first things they say is they talk about how Rob Ford went and like took a lady's trash out for her. She was like a seventy year old widow, and how he would like go and help people in, in that kind of way. And it, it, that sort of anecdote leads into how he became mayor of Toronto. So I got both sides of Rob Ford in this one. I got. It was definitely a slanted, I mean, look, it was written by his brother, okay? So it's, the the book is definitely pro-Rob Ford. There's like, there there is some, yeah, there's some rhetoric in there about, uh, you know, uh, lefty magazine or like lefty newspaper rags taking him down and stuff like that. There is language like that that's definitely slanted in a political side, but it's, it's mostly a, a dude talking about his brother and how they both went into Canadian politics is a story of the family, how the family got into Canadian politics. But it is kind of white. I got done reading it, and I was, and I, I found myself being too big a fan of Rob Ford a little bit. Because, okay, so I, I read the bad shit about him, and then I read the book his brother wrote. And then I found myself being like, yeah, Rob Ford would be dominating the world. He'd be in the UN right now. And then I reread more detailed accounts of the things that happened. So I'm still, I'm like somewhere in the middle, but I know a lot more about Rob Ford. So that's what this episode is going to be. I'm somewhere in the middle. I honestly, dude, Rob Ford right now, I think he's a great example of only he could beat himself. And especially in the political arena, the dude was a natural political animal. And the only person who could take him down was himself. And his stories sort of charts that and tracks that. And then he gets fucking hit out of nowhere about with cancer. So we're going to go through the story, and by the end of this, I don't know if you'll know more about Toronto politics or anything like that, but you'll know a little bit more. If Rob Ford ever comes up, you'll know more than just like, didn't that dude fucking smoke crack? It's like, one, yeah, he did, but also, two, he didn't get fucking submarine politically by it. Not all the way. He was still in there after that. So we're going to we're gonna go through how did Rob Ford get into politics? What's his brother? I mean, his brother Doug has a couple chapters in the book about his own political career because he was also active in Toronto politics. The Ford family is like a political family in Toronto. I mean, at some point in time, they call them the Canadian Kennedys, which in the book, Doug Ford is like, that really kicked Rob off to here. It's such a Canadian book. The whole thing, although every now and then, the, it, Doug, Doug Ford in the book will just be like, and I'll tell you what, that was some bullshit. So that's what the episode's going to be. Ford Nation, but I'm going to call it Rob Ford taking care of business. You're going to learn all about that hilarious politician. So the next time you, if you watch him on YouTube, talk about how he never ate that girl's pussy because he's got a ton of pussy eat at home with his wife and he's satisfied. And then the walk-off, which is my favorite Rob Ford clip. And I will absolutely post that on the Instagram. It's my, it makes me laugh every time. Now you know a little bit more about where he came from. You'll have some Rob Ford trivia to you. It's a pretty fun story. I enjoy it. All right. So let's get going. Rob Ford taking care of business. Now the Ford family, you got to trace it back to Rob Ford's dad. So his dad grew up in, in Toronto, Canada, and uh, was not, he was not wealthy to begin with. His dad was like, fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. Try to figure it out. Now, there is a cool story in the book about how his dad first met his mom. Like, their first date was, uh, his dad was kind of scraping by, making some money, doing odd jobs, and he bought himself a motorcycle. And then he met his mom, and then was like, hey, what's up? You want me like, I'll give you a ride home. It's kind of a far walk home. And the mom was like, yeah, sure. And then followed him to his motorcycle, which was parked in between like a Cadillac and like a, a Lincoln Continental, like two really nice cars. But then 
Rob Ford's dad's bike was in between the two. So when Rob Ford's mom saw it, she was like, oh my God, like a little bit scared of like, she wasn't supposed to ride on the back of a motorcycle. But she does romance, all that, you know. So Rob Ford's dad is driving his mom when they had just met on their first date, just driving her somewhere, giving her a ride somewhere. They fucking crash the motorcycle. <laughs> it crashes first time. Terrible first date. Crashes a motorcycle. And, and allegedly, Rob Ford's dad first went to go check on the motorcycle before he checked on his babe. Which I thought I, I thought that was a pretty fun story. I'll put it in here. I, uh, also, one time I was on a date with a girl. I ended up dating for a while and her hair caught on fire. We were at like a restaurant and she had her hair done with hairspray and stuff, I guess. I don't know what the fuck was in that hair, but it was flammable because that hair caught on fire. And she didn't know. And I had, I dude... I got up and I clapped it. <laughs> she didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just looked super intense. I went into like amateur firefighter mode. Just like chimp clap flames on hair. Similar thing. When I was like, I, I thought about like Rob Ford's dad crashed that motorcycle and being like, all right, this is a rough start. If we're going to do a relationship, we did just get in a motorcycle crash. It can only go up from here. I feel like same kind of thing when a lady's hair caught on fire, but I don't know. It was pretty fun. So anyway, Rob Ford and his mom meet each other. They crash on a motorcycle. It's okay. And then or Rob Ford's dad. And here's where it pops off because Rob Ford's dad was working for like a labeling company. And he was like, he was a lifetime learner. And he was always trying to pick shit up from different places. So he decided to break away from the label company and start his own company in Canada. And he had a partner at the time, but he ended up buying out his partner for $30,000 and then going at it alone just because it streamlined the efficiency of the business. Now his dad then used his uh, sales charm and, all, and work ethic and also customer service. His number one thing was I get back to everybody and I work my ass off. That was what Rob Ford's dad did coming up to build this sales labeling business that he did. It was for like meat packing and it became a massive business. It blew up. Rob Ford, the mayor that you saw on YouTube being like I did smoke crack, whatever, his dad his dad's company worth like a hundred million dollars. He comes from fucking money. I didn't know that, but it plays into Rob Ford's political career and how he acted once he got into uh, c- uh, city council for Toronto, which was a stepping stone before he became mayor. But back to Rob Ford's dad, balling out, making a label company, customer service off just off the charts, calling everybody back, super polite. He never. Just let anything lie. He always finished every conversation with a thank you and got back to everybody. He also was really interested in efficiency. So much so that he would go over and travel to Japan and see how they're doing labels over there. He went over to Japan, Taiwan, a couple other places. And he became really interested in the idea of Asian um, like business culture. And he tried to learn from their, their efficiency and uh, the honor that they brought to, to business practices. It, it was noted in the book that that was really a uh, heavy effect on Rob Ford's dad. So we come back to Canada, and then Rob Ford's dad is balling out. At this point in time, he has little Rob and his older brother, Doug. They also have a sister, uh, and I believe an older brother, or maybe not. Maybe that's a nephew. But Doug and Rob, and at least an older sister. So this, the father comes back. He's balling out. And he's like, I got two young boys. I got to show them what work ethic is. He takes Rob and Doug back over to Asia to check out how business is done over there. And he's like, boys, this is how you work your ass off. And through the rest of Rob's life, he w- I mean, this is the, the practices that made Rob Ford a successful politician in both city council and eventually being the mayor of Toronto, is that he took those two lessons that his dad learned from coming up making his labeling uh, business 
of one, customer service. You always talk to everybody. You never leave anybody hanging. You get back to them right the fuck away. And two, at wildly efficient. Work your ass off. And through that, you'll see success. And that, I believe Rob was 18 when he went on the trip with his dad. And his older brother was like 23 because there's a five-year age difference between them. But Rob especially came back because Rob always worshipped his dad as a hero. He looked up to him and he wanted to impress him, wanted to be like him. He was a successful man. He didn't want to let his dad down. And so on that trip to Asia to see how business is done, Rob picked up how much his dad loved that culture and loved those lessons that he learned. So when he came back to Toronto, whatever he was going to end up in, he was going to go and try to apply those, those two lessons that he learned from his dad on that trip. Now, Rob... Didn't find politics right away. He went to college and it wasn't for him. He really loved sports. He played ice hockey as a kid. His older brother played ice hockey. He was good enough at ice hockey at 16. He played on like an intramural team that was like older kids who couldn't go pro, but they were still really good. So like rough and tumble 25 year olds and Rob Ford was good enough at 16 to play on his older brother's team. And there's a couple cute stories in the book where like Rob Ford would get laid the fuck out on the ice and then Doug would come and you know, save him being forced. So Rob would always kind of look to Doug as like, you know, somebody who would support him on the ice. And that relationship also continued as their political careers developed. But more than ice hockey, Rob Ford loved American football. He loved American football to the point where he wanted to play professional football in some capacity, but he, he just couldn't make, he didn't have the, he didn't make it to the pros. But when he was young, before he decided to go into politics, he did, uh, his father did pay for him to go to the, to NFL professional training camps to get better. And uh, he also went to Notre Dame for the same thing, a, a custom training camp for football. But he never he never turned pro, but he always kept that love of the game and the idea of the camaraderie of it. He would go on to be a volunteer football coach. Even while he was having his political career, he always had a volunteer football team that he was trying to make into champions. And the reason he loved doing it is because he said he learned so much from his time in youth athletics and team sports in particular, that when he, be, when he became a leader in the Toronto community and even, in, even at, at, during his time as mayor, he was still doing, up until 2013, he was still coaching, volunteer coaching for free a football team in the Toronto area because he believed in what it could do for like a young man's character so much. Now, the first time anybody in the Ford family got involved in any sort of level of Canadian politics was when Rob Ford's dad, in 1995, he was regarded as like the class of 95. Rob Ford's dad was a wealthy businessman in Canada, and he would, this is how the story of the book goes, he would always sit at home and watch TV and complain to Doug and Rob about how things are done and how, you know, politics is a mess, da-da-da. And so one day, Doug got fed up and went and dropped his dad's name in the place where you drop names to run for a provincial political office. Now... Real quick, and this is, I'm not going to go into Canadian politics too much. As I understand it, there's three levels. There's federal, which is the biggest level. There's provincial, which is like state level government. And then there's municipal, which is the like local level, Toronto level government that Rob Ford got into. His dad went provincial, which is like state level government, because his brother Doug just put him in the race because he was tired of listening to his dad complain. His dad finally gets convinced to run, throws his money behind it, Gets elected. That's the first Ford ever in Canadian politics. Now, from that, 
Rob Ford and his brother Doug helped their dad with their political campaign going door to door because both of the boys were involved in sales in the company. And then once this political arena opened up, they could use those sales chops and see if they could work in the political sphere. Now, Doug enjoyed it, but he was more of a sales guy and worked better at the company at his dad's business. Rob really took to it, really enjoyed the work, liked getting out, shaking hands, meeting people, knocking on doors. He was a big reason for why his dad became elected and, and won, won a position in provincial government. Now, from that experience, Rob found his passion, which was politics. So much so that in the late 90s, he took his first run at city council seat, which we'll get into it in a second, but like it's a low-level municipal position in Toronto. I believe it was 1997 he ran, I don't know, it was the late 90s sometime, but it was his first run, and he does the best he can. He's pretty much an unknown at that point in time, even with his dad sitting in a provincial seat of government. He's Rob Ford is sort of an unknown, but he goes out, he shakes hands, he knocks on doors, he does everything he can, and he loses. He comes in fourth, but the numbers for how he came in fourth, okay, so the winner of that race got 13,000 votes. Second place got 12,000 votes. Third place got 10,000 votes. Rob Ford, unknown, knocking on doors, trying to make his way in the world. 9,000 votes. That's not, that's pretty close. You're only 4,000 votes off. Also, these numbers are really low. It kind of feels like high school class president numbers when you're looking at this low level of, of government. It sort of amazes me that I heard about Rob Ford. I mean, I guess he was mayor of Toronto, but this is... I mean, maybe it's just because we're coming off the presidential election and people were talking in millions of votes and all these electoral college stuff. But I, when I read like 13,000 votes was the winner, I I had to like shift down in my head and be like, oh, this is like low level. Pop. This isn't, I mean, it's not low, low, but it's certainly not what I've been used to seeing for the last couple of months. But his first bid for political office, unsuccessful, comes in fourth, but it's only 4,000 votes. That's pretty close. It was a pretty close horse race there. Rob Ford does lose. Now, in the year 2000, he's learned from his first loss. He comes back, and he picks a different ward to run for. Now, the way that municipal politics in Toronto was done in the year 2000, so you're running for city council seat. Now, there's 44 different wards in Toronto. Each one of those wards, which is like an area of the city, gets a city councilman. So there's 44 of these positions up for grabs, and then there's a mayor. That's how I understand Toronto city politics works. So Rob Ford picked a different ward to, to run for in 2000, and I am going to butcher this name. I don't know how the fuck to say it. Sorry if you live there in Canada. Ectobicoke North. That's, that's where he ran from. That was his, that was his area. That's his ward, Ectobicoke. That's what, that's what he rent to represent. And the way that that, that ward was broken down... There's a large immigrant population and a large working class population. Both groups would really respond to that, uh, to his customer service tactics as far as, as his political campaign goes. They could get a hold of Rob Ford at any time. He was out there literally knocking on their doors when he went campaigning in 2000. It was door to door to door. Hi, I'm Rob Ford. How you doing? Here's my personal phone number. Call me whenever. And Rob Ford was notorious for always calling everybody back, just like he learned from his dad when they went over to Japan to see how how business culture was done over there. That was one that is one of the huge driving forces for why Rob Ford was pretty much unkillable in politics 
with the exception of his own actions. He would get back to everybody. And the ward he picked, he wanted to be a voice for those people. And it wasn't bullshit. He actually had a, a passion for civic duty. So he went out and he worked his ass off trying to make his dad proud, I'm sure. Year 2000, elected to city council. He's in. One of 44. And there's a mayor on top of that. But he's one of the 44 people representing Toronto. And that's pretty great. Second time around. I believe he won. The votes were, he got 6,000 votes. And second place only got 4,000 votes. Lower turnout than the other the other ward he ran for. But he comes away with a W, baby. Rob Ford's in. Municipal government. Let's get it going. So Rob Ford's in. Now here, aside from excellent customer service and really wanting to hear what his people have to say and helping everybody with their problems, so Rob Ford comes in, and so he has populist support because of how accessible he is to the people he represents And then the second prong of his political strategy is that this guy is going to spend no money. That's his big hook. When he gets in, I talk to the people I represent. I hear what they have to say. And also, everybody else with this job is spending so much fucking money for no reason. And And how he can pull this off is because, in my opinion, he was independently wealthy. His dad had a $100 million company. So once he got elected and actually had a seat on city council, the, th- the, the big hook he had was that there's too much corruption here. Everybody's using their expense accounts for $50,000 a year. You're going to $10,000 dinners. His big thing was like, I'm Rob Ford. How you doing? I represent my people. I represent their interests. I care about the people on the front line. And I don't spend any money because that's how I'm going to show respect for the taxpayer. And he could pull it off because he had that private wealth behind him. Meanwhile, everybody else sitting in city council, this is how you make enemies. Because one of the first things he did, he started publishing one attendance records of the other city councilmen. Well, actually, the first few months he was in there, it said that he was overwhelmed. About like, oh shit, there's a lot of moving parts here. And actually, in the book, it says that like the first few months of voting, what he would do, he sat next to somebody who he knew was politically in the other party, and he would just look at who that guy was voting for and vote the other way. Classic first grade, he didn't put his folders up, so I'm cheating on this left and right test, which I thought was pretty endearing, of like, I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing here. Who's this guy's against me? All right, I'm voting the other way. That's how he handled the first few months. But after he got his, you know, he got his feet wet, he understood the pond a little bit better, he started publishing people's attendance records, Were they there for votes? And also their expense accounts because somehow this was public. So Rob Ford's expense account, I believe he drew like $10 one year and then $4 the next year. He was spending no money. Meanwhile, other people, and this is published publicly. It's just out there of like $50,000, $60,000, $23,000 for private, like for all these fucking expenses. So those are the two prongs that Rob had when he was in office that made him... In my opinion, unbeatable. The people, he cared about his voters and he talked to them directly. He made sure to tell people that I care about the front lines. I care about the police officers who are on the street. I care about the firefighters who are fighting the fires. He didn't give a shit about anybody else who's like middle management, any of that stuff. He made a lot of enemies and unions because of this. Because when he gets into city council, or when he gets into mayor especially, he, he really has a budget problem that he, he looks to solve using these two ways. But especially when he's in city council, people have never seen somebody act like this before. And he's also not afraid to 
to go to war with people on the floor as far as debating goes because he doesn't have to worry about looking any sort of way if somebody else attacks him personally or attacks his politics. He always has a haymaker in his back pocket of like, let me just pull up your expense account real quick. What'd you say about me? What'd you do for $21,000 last year? Meanwhile, he has not, and it's all public records. The guy's unbeatable in city council and he's looking to make change. So his first few years in city council go well. It's time for time to run again in 2003. Runs for the same pro, uh, the same ward. Ectobicoke North. Landslide. 10,000 votes. Not even close. He runs against a couple other unknowns. Demolishes them. Does well. He's back in it again. The only time he missed votes, apparently, is when he had to go and coach volunteer football games. And political opponents tried to come back at him about that. And then he would just... He would just say the truth. I was volunteer coaching a football game. I'm sorry I missed the vote. And then he would come back and be like, well, how many votes have you missed? And all these records are public. The guy was untouchable. I mean, he made mistakes as far... I mean, let's talk about his, his private life in a second. But as far as if he was just on the straight and narrow as a politician, in my opinion, the approach he had where he cares about the actual people who vote for him and talks to him and never lets anybody down as far as that goes... And then he doesn't spend any money and ha- always has that to be able to hold over anybody else's head is pretty much unbeatable. But reelected in 2003, does miss a couple of votes, but he's, co- he's coaching volunteer football games. He can't get mad at him. Goes on an AM weekly talk show in Toronto and just starts telling everybody everybody's business. The guys, the guys, if you were a city councilman at the same time as Rob Ford, you probably hated this guy because you have no idea what the fuck he's going to do. Because he's on an AM radio station just being like, and here's what's happening this vote. Here's what's going on here. This is what this week looks like. I don't trust this guy. Anyway, guys, thanks so much. Rob Ford, I'll talk to you. The guy creates his own press platform on an AM radio station weekly at this point in time, but eventually it grows. Oh, by the way, 2007 was the year that Rob Ford spent... Zero dollars out of his own expense account, which may or may not have contributed to. In 2008, the city council finally passed a new expense policy, which cracked down on mileage, meals, alcohol. It didn't really, it didn't really crack down a, a ton, but it was still concrete legislation that was born out of Rob Ford shit talking of like, I'm not spending any money. Why are you guys spending money? So in 2008, hard legislation was passed regarding expense accounts which was made public and everybody in Toronto heard about it and everybody knew it was because of Rob Ford and how he acted and how vocal he was about other people. I mean, the guy's on an AM radio station once a week talking shit on everybody else. Like, yeah, you gotta pass, you gotta try to calm this down, the guy down somehow. I don't know what else we're gonna do. That's 2008. Oh, we skipped over this. Unfortunately, in 2006, uh, Rob Ford's father passed away from cancer. Which people cite that like this is a point in time where Rob Ford's substance abuse started to get a little bit crazier because his father passed away. And this is the first, I mean, one of the first instances that I heard about as far as, you know, we're going to call it public intoxication, something like that. He was, there is, there are reports, 2006, he was at a Maple Leafs game. Uh, he was incredibly intoxicated using profanity, insulting people. Uh, somebody made a detailed complaint to the city of Toronto. Um, and then he was asked about it by, I believe the Toronto star. And he was just like, yeah, I'm going through some personal problems. Sorry about that. 
I actually believe that happened while his dad was in the process of dying from cancer. His father hadn't passed away yet when he uh, sort of got, I mean, he got yelled at for being hammered at a Maple Leafs game and yelling a bunch of wild shit. But yeah, his father passed away in 2006. Very sad. But 2008, the legislation's passed. We're still, you know, you're still having a pretty great political career here, Rob. You know, a little slip up getting fucked up at a Maple Leafs game. We're still going. One one time. It's all right. Also, between 2008 and 2013, the police would be called to Rob Ford's house, uh, I believe it was five times, just to check on what's going on there. Neighbors heard something happening. Five, no charges ever pressed. No charges. They said there was no charges, but there are five separate instances where the police came to his house. That wasn't in the book. Doug left that out of the book. Doug Ford, but that was... Uh, see, that's why I wanted to get both sides of this. You know, I, I finished reading Doug Ford's book, and I was like, this guy's the... And then I, re- I was like, oh yeah, the cops did come to your house like five, five fucking times. That's, uh, that's a lot. It's all right, though. Okay, well, you got some legislation about expense accounts. We're moving forward. What else you got, Rob? At this point in time, in, in 2008, 2009, Rob Ford knows that there's a mayoral race coming up, and he leans in and he tells his brother Doug, fuck it, I'm going for mayor. I'm going to go for it, dude. I know, look, I was at that Maples game. I got kind of fucked up, dude. I got a little tie dome in me, got kind of got kind of hammered. Have the cops been to my house a few times? I'm not sure. Yeah, no charges though. I'm running for mayor, baby. Let's do it. So the mayoral race where he got elected to mayor and ends up winning is 2010 for Toronto. Now, here's the thing. When you become mayor of Toronto, so he had stepped up from city councilman to mayor. So he went from him and 43 other people doing the same job, all talking about what's going to go on in Toronto. Now it's just him at the top of Toronto. But the thing is, Apparently, Canadian mayors don't have the same kind of power that American mayors of like New York or Chicago have because all of those city councilmen, the 44, they all are like independent contractors. They really have no allegiance with anybody. And Rob Ford can like suggest things and put shit up for a vote, but he has to win a majority of 44 votes. So it's kind of hard to get shit done as a mayor in Canada, as I understand it, because you're battling with 44 other people who are you know, more or less road warrior in it, trying to make their own political career. Everybody's got their own agenda going on. So it's, it was a step up as far as prestige and and power and representing the city of Toronto and trying to make change that way. However, it is hard to get shit done because you got to have at least, what, 23, 23. Look at that quick math, dude. 23 people got to be like, that's a good idea. Now, when Rob Ford won the Toronto mayoral race, which by the way, he did using the same tactics he won city council. Fucking knocking on doors, getting everybody he knows to knock on doors. And they said that the secret weapon he had when he got elected to Toronto mayor and won the election was that all of the contacts he already had from 10 years of civil service in Toronto, he had saved all of those phone numbers from every interaction, most likely an homage to his father's idea of customer service. He had boxes and boxes of phone numbers, some of them not even with names or anything, but just phone numbers of people he's had interactions with over the, over the whole decade of his political career. So he broke out those boxes when it was time to run for mayor and called all of them and was just like, hey, how you doing? I'm Rob Ford. Even if he didn't know what the fuck he talked to him about. Just to tell you, I'm a mayor, da 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 
he was it was a great the same way he treated was a ecto ecto by coke his little his little area that elected him he did that for the whole city of Toronto and he came away with a W big time now when he got into mayoral office the number one so he ran on fiscal responsibility and customer service it's the same two prongs that got him here he danced with who brought him that's what he that's what he went with now when he got elected in 2010 the city of Toronto was I believe $774 million over budget. All, three quarters of a billion dollars over budget, right? And so Rob Ford, when he was campaigning, was like, he, his big slogan was like, I'm going to stop the gravy train. That was his catch. I'm going to put an end to the gravy train. The idea of expense accounts, too much middle management, uh, in his opinion, too many union jobs that don't do anything. That are just like this guy watching this guy, this guy watching this guy, this guy. He made so many fucking enemies as far as middle management and, and politically goes. But everybody that was work that was, you know, the average policeman liked Rob Ford. However, the police commissioner had a real problem with Rob Ford because all these budget cuts, they were around the whole city of Toronto. Because if Rob Ford wasn't going to raise taxes, because that was the initial plan for how to solve this $774 million problem in Toronto, the government was talking about instilling a 25% tax on everybody in Toronto to help pay down the debt. Rob Ford was like, fuck that. Uh, you elect me. There's not going to be any taxes. No new taxes at all. What we're going to do, we're going to stop the gravy train. That was it. That was his his platform for 2010, mayor of Toronto. And he would call fucking everybody he could. And they voted him in. They were like, all right, well, let's see it. So he gets in to be Toronto mayor in 2010. And for the first two years of his mayoral reign, things go pretty great. As far as is Rob Ford doing a good job at being mayor? That $774 million budget problem, I believe in the first two years of Rob Ford as mayor, it went away. He made, he saved the city of Toronto. Uh, they, I mean, the, the Doug Ford book says a billion dollars. So that would have wiped out that budget deficit and then plus $225 million, whatever the fuck that is. He made it go away with no taxes on the public. How he did it when he went in there, one, he was, you know, he was going after expense accounts. If you had an expense account, Rob Ford's mayor, you were fucked, dude. You better cover that up and bezel it somehow because he's coming after it. And when he got into Toronto mayor, uh, when he became Toronto mayor, one of the first thing he said, he was like, all right, everybody, everybody who works for the city, every department of the city, I need you to cut your budget by 10%. And I don't give a shit what you do. I don't care if it's water department. I don't care if it's firemen. I don't care if it's police. Everybody's cutting 10%. We almost owe a billion dollars. Now, all the people of Toronto were like, fuck yeah, efficient government, baby. But everybody in politics was like, fuck you, dude. What are you talking about? Cut. Like the police commissioner was like, dude, I was looking for a 2% increase in my budget. What are you talking about? Cut 10%. And that was one of the, the real problems that Rob Ford had in the first two years as Toronto mayor. The police commissioner was like, dude. This is fucking crazy. I wanted 2%. We talk about cut 10%, but Rob Ford didn't move off it. He made the police department cut 10%, and he gave him two years to do it, which is the longest grace period that any any uh, 
any part of the Toronto government had to make that 10% cut. I believe the police had the longest, they had a two-year span to cut down the budget by 10%. But he made everybody cut 10%, and he solved the budget problem of $774 million. First two years went pretty great. It went so well that, like, after the first two years, he started losing people off his team that he had been elected with and that he had put in positions of power to be able to put his programs into effect because it wasn't just the 10% flat cut. He also saved the city money by doing things like privatizing part of the garbage pickup that saved the city $12 million and other successful companies and other government politicians. I mean, at higher levels too, at provincial and federal level started poaching people off Rob Ford's team. So his actual inner circle became a little bit weaker because he was losing talent and he wasn't sad to see him go. He knew they were incredible financial opportunities. Like somebody got Somebody got poached by the Molson Corporation for a ton of money. And Rob Ford was like, yeah, I understand you're valuable. Go for it. But his team was becoming, a, I mean, he was losing people. He was bringing other people on. But the original team that helped him get all this work done was fragmenting a little bit. Also, the press started kind of going after him at this point in time. He had already made a lot of political enemies. And the press loves a story. And so political enemies may have been in touch with the press or maybe the press just knew that it was a flamboyant mayor who had been in trouble for getting fucked up at a Maple Leafs game before. He's had the cops called on his house five times, so maybe we should follow him. We don't really know. In the book, Doug kind of hints at it being a little bit more conspiratorial than you can really prove. I don't know. There's a lot of motivating factors if you're a person who works in the press in Toronto to be able to run a ton of negative stories about the mayor to get people to read your newspapers. But at the same time, he did make a tremendous amount of enemies because if the only people you care about are the actual voters, then you don't really give much quarter to anybody when they're looking to, you know, kind of while out in their expense account a little bit. You're 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 making you're making enemies, especially a 10 percent flat cut across all all forms of Toronto government in the first two years, there were people who would have loved to see Rob Ford crash and burn. But the first stuff that they got him on, like one of the first scandals, like he would he would drive himself to work because Rob Ford never, he never used a chauffeur, partially because he liked driving himself to work, but also because he didn't want to put that on his expense account. He also never had private security. All this stuff, like in the book, it says he went and visited Rahm, uh, Rob Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel? I fucked that name up. The guy who worked for President Obama, who was the mayor of Chicago at one point in time. Rob Ford went down to Chicago just to see how Rahm Emanuel was doing stuff to try to learn from him. The same way that he saw his dad go over to Japan and uh, Taiwan to learn about how to run business better. He did the same thing going down to Chicago to try to talk with Rahm Emanuel and be like, hey, how are you doing stuff? I'm trying to revolutionize things up in Toronto. Can you help me out? And when he went down there... In the book, Doug said that Rob called him from from Chicago and was like, this is this is ridiculous down here. Yeah, there's like five SUVs. I can't do Canadian, but the whole book is in Canadian, dude. But anyway, so Rob went down to Chicago and was like, fucking they're spending so much money on this shit. So one of the first scandals that the Toronto press tried to get Rob on was that they got pictures of him on his cell phone driving to work. And they were like, irresponsible mayor, all this other shit. And so Rob Ford just came out after the story broke and was like, yep, that is me. I'm on my cell phone and I'm driving myself to work. I drive myself to work because I don't feel like spending taxpayer money on a chauffeur. And I'm on the phone 24 hours a day. You know how many calls I make? Like there were numbers in the books of like at least 80 calls a day to people. 
The guy was on the phone 24-7 because he knew that that was the bread and butter of his political life. He didn't care about the uh, the political class and his, his fellow constituents in the city council or when he was mayor. He didn't care about the city council as far as whether they liked him or not. He cared about the actual voters because the, he knew that those are the people who were going to keep him in power as long as he can keep them happy through constant contact and actually budget reform that works. He didn't have to care about any other people. If he gets... If he gets the voting class, and then he has actual concrete results, and then he also, that AM radio station thing he was doing on city council that pissed off all the other city councilmen a couple years ago, that turned in to the Rob Ford show. I mean, they were going to take it on TV at one point in time called Ford Nation, which is the name of the book also, but at that point in time, the scandals had gotten too crazy. But Rob Ford was making, doing a lot of radio about Toronto, about how great Toronto is, about hey, this is the week that's going to come up. When he was mayor of Toronto, he had a way to reach out almost fireside uh, fireside chat style with um, uh, FDR where you just talk to the people that you're governing once a week and tell them what's coming up. Rob Ford was all about keeping in contact with his people because he knew he had to, he had to insulate himself from scandal because people were coming at him for shit as little as like driving while on your cell phone. Not that that's a little thing. Obviously, it causes car accidents. But if you're looking to take down a Toronto mayor, get a picture of him when he's on a cell phone driving... I mean, is that really going to do it? But that's what they came at him for at the beginning. They also came at him for financial scandal, which was a which like it was an offensive charge to Rob Ford, the guy who's built his whole political career on like I don't spend money on anything, and the press tried to come at him for I believe it was three thousand dollars because he was volunteer football coaching his football team the whole time. So to raise money for underprivileged kids to get football pads, he used city council letterheads to mail out letters and be like, Hey, what's up? I'm Rob Ford. I volunteer coaches football team. Going to donate. We're trying to buy pads for kids. So they came at him. Like that was some sort of scandal thing. And as soon as that, that broke Rob Ford immediately came back at it because he was insulted by it. And was also like, nobody says shit about a $12,000 retirement dinner. Or when this other city councilman expensed out $6,000 for French lessons all I did was use letterhead. I'll pay it back if you want, but the money wasn't even for me. When they tried to prosecute him for that and take him to court over it, he didn't. He it, it was nothing because Rob Ford didn't get any money for it. The money he was raising was for underprivileged kids to have football pads. But these were the early scandals they tried to get Rob on because he hadn't been fucked up in a Maple's Leaf game in a while. They he was making too many enemies, man. At this point in time. Rob Ford also is getting a ton of death threats. This is something that's not talked about a lot, but because of the number of enemies he made, he was receiving a ton of death threats, and not just him, but like his family, his brother's family, anybody who was related to him was getting death threats about, fuck you, Rob Ford, I'm going to kill you, all this other stuff. So a scandal that they tried to hit him with here, but in my opinion, this just breaks down to a newscaster having a bad bit, a bad jokey idea, and just scaring people. But, okay, so one one morning, it was like 5 a.m., Rob Ford had just, just woke up. He's about to go to work, get in the paper or whatever, because he would drive in at 6. So there's a newscaster, and her shtick was that she was in like a suit of armor, like a red suit of armor, and she would have a sword. Apparently, this was a thing. This was her thing. This was her newscaster thing. I interview people. I got red armor on. I got a sword. So this lady is in Rob Ford's driveway at 5 a.m. one morning, and Rob Ford and his whole family are getting death threats throughout this whole political campaign time. 
And so he comes out and he sees some like petite knight with a huge sword. Just goes inside and calls the fucking cops. He's like, hey, there's a, a something. Something's got a sword out there and I'm getting death threats left, right, and center. Can you fucking send somebody out here? And the press tried to be like, Rob Ford, coward. Rob Ford calls the police on a newscaster. When the real story is that like, yo, he's getting death threats all the time. And some lady had a fucking suit of armor and a sword on. It was 5 a.m. She didn't have an appointment. Yo, you call the cop. I would call the cop. Is anybody listening? If somebody's got a sword in your driveway at 5 a.m., I don't care who the fuck it is. That cop's getting called, right? Unless you're a gun owner and then it's, you know. But even then, wouldn't you call the cops? I don't own a gun, but I feel like still sword guy in the driveway. Even if I don't have dry, have death threats, sword guy in the driveway, I'm calling somebody. I'm calling a friend. I'm, I'm not going outside. I'm going inside calling the fucking police, dude. But they tried to get him on that, too. Now, one of the last enemies he made before things, uh, you know... Video smoke crack. Some things, some things started happening. Was that he kind of went to war with cyclists in Toronto? He did not like bike lanes. Now, before he got into office, somebody spent like ninety thousand dollars putting bike lanes in. And Rob Ford, who drove himself to work every day downtown, had just hated cyclists because they would take up the road. He one of his big platforms that like, hey, we need subways. We need subways that where every other major city has subways. Why the fuck do we have trolleys and bicycles? We need subways. So one of the last things, I mean, one of the last real enemies he made before things really broke out was that the cyclists didn't like him because the $90,000 that were used on bike lanes, Rob Ford was like, fuck all that, and spent two hundred to $300,000 removing the bike lanes. Just completely, and so people were like, people are still going to ride bikes, but it's going to be unsafe. And Rob Ford was just like, nah. I'm tired of driving to work, dealing with those people. So cyclists, also not a fan of Rob Ford. Now, I skipped this part, and it plays in to the scandal that's about to happen. But when Rob Ford first ran for mayor in 2010, the one scandal that people did try to take him down with during the election for Toronto mayor was he did get a Dewey in 2007. He was arrested for DUI in Miami. He was fucked up. And he also had a joint of marijuana in the car, I believe. So that happened in two th- uh, 1997, and then he's running for mayor in 2010. Now, they bring this up, and at first they ask him, like, hey, have you ever been arrested for DUI in, in Florida? And Rob Ford was like, nope. <laughs> uh-uh. And then they were like, actually, we have the paperwork. Do you remember? And Rob Ford was like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did do that. And then as soon as he got called on, it was like, I forgot about that. He was like, yup, I fucking got a DUI. I was an idiot. My bad on that. Sorry. People thought, his, his political opponents thought that that would take him down. But because he was so honest with it, and he just, he flipped it as soon as he got caught in a very, very ridiculous lie to try to pull off. <laughs> Be like, I don't even, I that just a flat lie. And then you get shown the paperwork. But because he flipped it and rolled with it and was just like, yup, I did that. It actually boosted his numbers. And helped him, I mean, they say that it helped him relate to the everyman because the guy was just honest about like, yeah, I fucked up, what are you going to do? Now, fast forward to specifically uh, May 16th, 2013. All right. This is when the Toronto Star ran the now infamous story, Rob Ford in crack cocaine video scandal. It was a video that appears to show Toronto's mayor smoking crack. And it was being shopped around by a group of drug dealers to the media to see if they wanted to get paid for it. Now, here's the thing. When this story broke, the video itself didn't exist. 
It didn't exist. It's just the only story that broke was that. That apparently, allegedly, there's a video of Rob Ford smoking crack somewhere. And that was enough that the media, it blew up. Now, when Rob Ford, Rob Ford first got news of this, I mean, in the book, Doug was like, the, when Doug first heard it, he asked his brother Rob to his face, like, yo, you smoke crack? And Rob Ford looked at his brother Doug and was like, no. And that's how it was. And in the book, Doug was like, I believed him. I definitely thought he was telling the truth. He was some ridiculous rumors. We had made a lot of enemies at that point in time. I was ready to go to bat for my brother, right? But here's the thing. The video didn't exist at this point in time, so it might have been bullshit. There's a, there's a legit chance that this just did not exist. But even the rumors of an alleged crack-smoking video was enough to get Rob Ford fired from his volunteer football coaching job which his brother Doug cites as the thing that really spiraled Rob Ford into heavy substance abuse. That's, that's his brother's take on it, where like his, the death of his father really fucked him up, but he held it together. But when the crack video allegations, there was no even video yet, but the allegations dropped, and his volunteer football coach program was like, hey, I know your heart's in the right place. We can't have you doing this anymore. It devastated Rob Ford, and he spiraled into it. This is when, when Rob Ford eventually would come clean to his brother about his substance abuse. Rob Ford would cite that, like, as I mean, when I got when I got let go by that volunteer football program, that's when like the daily drinking started. That cycle where like time is just one flat line, and you're just you're fucked up at night, and then you wake up, and it's hair of the dog to keep going, and you just keep running that play forever. And I mean. It does snowball and it comes to comes to a halt pretty quick. But Rob was still making eighty phone calls a day, fucked up in office after he, after the crack smoking video, and then he gets fired from the football coach thing. He was still making a lot of phone calls, you know. He was still going for it, but the rumors were a lot. And the provincial, I believe it was the governor of the province of the of Ontario, a woman named Kathleen Wine, W Y N E E. I don't need to get her name right. She's not a very likable character in this story. As soon as the crack smoking rumors came out and Rob gets fired from volunteer football, this lady comes on TV and she's like, hey, Toronto, if you need help because your mayor's a little out of control, let me know. Which in the book, his brother Doug is like, that was rich coming from her, okay? Because she cost this, this, the province a billion dollars in e-health, which apparently was some sort of healthcare total debacle that Rob Ford had nothing to do with. He also... The, the guy he beat for mayoral election in 2010 was also part of uh, the e-health thing. I'm not sure exactly what that was. Something about the healthcare system in Canada that cost the taxpayers a billion dollars and didn't do shit. But the lady who came in after the crack smoking rumors came out and was like, I can help you down there. Rob Ford's brother was pretty pissed. and be like, lady, you cost us a billion dollars. Will you stop it? There's not even a video. People just saying my brother's smoking crack. I asked him about it. He said no. So I feel like you're overreacting. But when it rains, it pours. So the police conducted a raid. They were looking in Toronto for weapons, and they were raiding drug dealers' house. And apparently, they confiscated a hard drive, and then they looked at what was on the hard drive. And apparently, there was a video of Rob Ford smoking crack on it. Now, here's where I'm conflicted, and I don't really know... If it's the same crack smoking video, because eventually one crack smoking video does get out 
in 2016 due to like the Freedom of Information, whatever the Canadian version of Freedom of Information Act is. There is a video of Rob Ford's smoking something out of a pipe, honestly. It's not like he was fucking on there with a pipe and be like, here comes some crack, which was one of his lawyer's defenses once the video actually surfaced. He was like, we don't know if that's weed. We don't know what's in that bowl. Could be nutmeg. I don't know what's going on there. Was it crack? I'm not sure. Did the people he was with say it was crack? I don't know. Either way, after the initial wave of crack video rumors happen, then the police start doing raids, and uh, during these raids, they find a hard drive that allegedly has video of Rob Ford smoking crack on it. Also, there are rumors that in conducting these raids, the police asked the people that whose homes they were raiding, the drug dealers, they asked them about, and then apparently Rob Ford's name came up every now and then, and somehow this information got leaked to the press which, in uh, Doug, the author, Rob Ford's brother's opinion, was because of that 10% budget cut that Rob, forced, uh, that Rob forced on the police commissioner when he first took office as Toronto mayor. In Doug's opinion, this may be a political takedown of Rob because there was no reason for the, political uh, for the police commissioner to go on television and be like, Hey, what's up? We got uh, Rob Ford's names coming up. We're raiding these drug dealers' house trying to get weapons. I got to tell you what, they're talking about Rob Ford quite a bit. But either way, political enemy came back to haunt Rob Ford there when at a pretty inopportune time, when you already have one crack video, crack smoking video rumor out there, and apparently your name's coming up in drug dealer raids, and the police commissioner's talking to you about it. And the brother Doug uh, in, the, in the book gets pretty fired up about how unprofessional this was of the police commissioner to say this shit. I mean, but Rob Ford made a lot of enemies. That's just kind of how it went down. Now, while this, all this was happening, a non-crack-smoking topic that happens is uh, the Pan-American Games were trying to come to Toronto in 2015. And a, an endearing story about Rob Ford is that the Pan-American Games gave Rob Ford their, like, demands of expense accounts. And Rob Ford was like, you're not the Olympics. Like, no. What are you talking about? Absolutely not. And he pushed back on the expense budget of the Pan American Games for Toronto in 2015. But there was going to be a mayoral race in 2014, whether or not Rob's going to get reelected. But even then, even before then, he had to approve the Pan American Games. And he, he gave them the same guff that he gave everybody else in Toronto about spending money and all this other stuff. He made them cut their, their expense budget. So we're dealing with one, possibly two... Smoking crack videos. We got that Maple Leafs game. We got that that Dewey that uh, that happened, but we already snuffed that out. Now, Rob Ford, unconventional attack here, but sticks with the politics who got him to where he's at. At some point in time, after these rumors are swirling, just too heavy, just too heavy swirling. The press won't leave him alone. Death threats. His family's getting badgered. He comes out of his office, his mayoral office, one day. He just comes out and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" Because the press is just outside. And so he comes out, and his exact quote, he just cold tells the press, yes, I have smoked crack cocaine, probably in one of my drunken stupors, probably approximately a year ago. Yes, I've made mistakes. All I can do now is apologize and move on. And then he goes back in his office. Didn't tell his brother about His brother found out about that from the press. He didn't tell his brother he was going to do any of that. Anything like that. He just came out one day and was like, I, I fucking, I gotta tell these people. Just comes clean to him, goes back inside. Press goes nuts with it. Now, all the rumors of crack smoking videos, because we, we don't have videos yet, 
But now Rob Ford just came out and told us he smoked crack. It seems like it seems like those videos are legit. So Doug was kind of heartbroken. He goes in and asks his brother, what the fuck's going on here? Are you a crack addict? What's going on, man? And apparently Rob squared it and was like, no, I'm not a crack addict. I do do crack sometimes, though. But it's only when I drink. I think the real problem is alcoholism. I do. There are probably some crack videos floating out out there, man. You know, but what I got to tell you, you got to stick with me, Doug. You know what I'm saying? We're still going. And even through all this now, it didn't work as well as when he tried to ride out that DUI with honesty. Because at this point in time, people, I mean, the press isn't talking about that incredible budget problem that Rob Ford dealt with in two years anymore. I mean, you got multiple crack smoking videos out there, man. And then you just came out and said you smoke crack every now and then. There's, there's going to be some problems at this point in time. So... It becomes a circus at this point, so much so that we have an Iron Sheik cameo. The old wrestler, the old school wrestler, the Iron Sheik shows up at Rob Ford's, uh, I think his place of business, and was and tries to arm wrestle him as like I don't know. I, I think earlier in Rob Ford's political career, he arm wrestled Hulk Hogan as a joke, and so when he got caught smoking crack and admitted to it a few times, the Iron Sheik went up to Canada and went outside Rob Ford's building and was like, "I'll arm wrestle you." That's sort of like an intervention thing. Things were off the rails at this point in time. You got the Iron Sheik outside, dude. You're having problems. The city council is also seeing this as a time where they can take Rob Ford down. They've never seen him more vulnerable than this. Those 44 people who have to really watch their expense accounts because Rob Ford will call it on. They try to go after Rob's neck at this point in time with these multiple crack video scandals. And they can't get him to resign. They, they pass a vote that like, hey, we'd really love you to step down, but apparently that they don't have that kind of power to force a, a mayor to step down. But it does go public that the city council passed that vote and makes Rob Ford look even worse. So as a counterpunch, Rob Ford's like, I'm not going to step down. I'm also going to put forth a motion, and I hope you guys pass this motion. I mean, you guys are the guys voting on it, but I would love you guys to all get drug tested before the end of the month, coming at my neck like I'm the only one who smokes crack, huh? That motion does not pass because the, I mean, of course they're not going to, why would they pass that to pass the drug test themselves? They're not going to do that. But that was how Rob Ford tried to come at him for that. I thought that was, I thought that was like a funny little kid strategy of like, oh yeah, I'm going to I'm still going to be mayor. How about you guys take a fucking drug test? Now what eventually what happens is that the city council rules to strip away power from Rob Ford, which hurts him politically because his two prongs of political stability are constant contact with people and Concrete results as far as fiscal responsibility goes. And when the city council strips away his, his power to be able to make his plans actually effective, it will hurt the, the bottom line productivity of his fiscal policies. So they are damaging him by stripping away what he's capable of doing due to crack video scandals. But by this point in time, 2014 is coming up. Rob Ford's going to run for re-election, okay? Have we, has he had some problems? Yeah. He's still going to run for re-election because he still has a huge base of, of voters that love him. They still, because he answers the phone. Look, does he maybe have crack videos out there? Yeah. Okay. Does he have some problems? He's going to have a couple more problems before the election actually starts. Now, apparently on St. Patrick's Day in 2013, he got blacked the fuck out and he got crazy. He got, he got wild as fuck. He didn't get arrested but it was, I mean, it was out there that he was tuned the fuck up, doing all sorts of wild shit on St. Patrick's Day. And his brother actually heard about that one, but, I mean, before 
he admitted smoking crack to him and, and all that. I mean, he he did get too fucked up on St. Patrick's Day this one time. That definitely happened. Now, he also got, I mean, this was sort of like a trivial, uh, this sounded like a high school kid getting caught, but he did get caught smoking weed in a parking lot by himself once. That's more sad than anything else, but that's another one that I'll have to endure. Coming up on re-election here in 2014, did get caught smoking weed alone in the parking lot. That's pretty embarrassing. Then we get another video that surfaces. No crack in this one, though. No crack. Hello. Small st- baby steps on these videos, man. You know? This video that surfaces, he is fucked up. Again, he is super drunk. Talking shit in Poitas, which is uh, that that Caribbean dialect. He was doing like a voice. Like, if you ever seen Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt's in the hospital and he tells that, that old lady that she's going to die, but she's from the island. So he speaks, he speaks in Poitas. Where he's like, uh, everything gonna be alright. Like, is that, I, that's the Brad Pitt line. That's, I, that's the only Poitas I even know how to try to speak, is that Brad Pitt line. Where he's like, everything gonna be alright. Well, apparently, the Rob Ford video is just him talking shit on people in Poitas the whole time. That's not gonna help you. Now, apparently, he was very popular with Caribbean voters, so they weren't really mad at him doing the Poitas thing, but... People were upset that he was hammered again because you're not supposed to be hammered, dude. Come on, you're having a problem. I thought you said you were getting it together. So after the Poitas Micho Black video comes out, you did get caught smoking weed alone. You got fucked up on St. Patrick's Day. Look, did you do some good things for the budget? Yeah, but you are spiraling out of control, man. And again, the brother Doug points to losing the volunteer football coach job because he had too much time on his hands. He's getting sad. Feels a lot of shame. He's just spiraling, getting way fucked up at this point in time. But he's still running, baby. 2014, we're still running for Toronto mayor again. He still thinks he can make it happen. Right on the same platform that we ran on in 2010. Low taxes, financial management and accountability. And let's put some subways in, you know? Don't worry about all this other stuff. And then there are some stills from the second crack video released. Where it's definitely Rob, Rob Ford... Hitting a pipe of some sort. There are some there's some stills that get released. And uh and after that, Rob's like, alright, dude, I'm gonna go to rehab. I am uh I am he decide he checks himself into rehab, alright? He goes to his brother, and he's like, Doug, I need some help, dude. I am getting I've been getting fucked up for a minute. I gotta get in there. So Rob Ford does go to rehab during his mayoral race for re-election in 2014. He goes in the summer of 2013, and the vote was supposed to take place, I believe, October 27th, 2014, 20 of that year. So he goes to rehab in the summer when the vote is going to take place in the fall. So his campaign is still going, and he's just like, I got to time out real quick. I just got to go to rehab. When I get out, hit the ground running. And that's kind of what happens, honestly. He goes, and it's, and it's public that he goes to rehab. He goes to 60 days. He goes to rehab. He gets out. He was working out in there. He was taking classes. He was eating better. He gets out. And in the book, Doug was like, I, I've never seen him with more life after he got out of rehab. He was ready to go. Hits the ground running. Back on the mayoral campaign. Here we go. It's fine. He just took a break. Went to rehab. He's back. Everybody in the public sees that he went and took, tried to take care of his problems. And he's very open and honest about it in interviews. He's like, yeah, I'm alcoholic. Out of control. It's a one day at a time thing for me. I'm excited for the people of Toronto. I'm excited to serve my people and try to make the city better, increase tourism, fiscal responsibility, subways. Let's go. He was just super open and honest about it after he got out of rehab. So he's still running for re-election, baby. 
We've had some scandals, but we're still going. Now, unfortunately, in September, so he gets out of rehab early in the summer. He's still running for mayor. I believe it was September 13th was the date. He woke up with bad stomach pains, and he went to go get a meal with his brother. And they were sitting there, and Rob was like, man, my fucking stomach is killing me, dude. And Doug was like, hey, do you want to go to a doctor? And Rob immediately was like, yeah, which concerned Doug because Rob doesn't like going to doctors that much. So they go to a doctor and they take a CT scan because uh, Rob Ford had had kidney stones in 2009, 2010, I believe, when he was younger. And that's what Doug thought it was. But they take a CT scan of Rob Ford and they find uh, they find cancer in his stomach. And then once that's found, and meanwhile, the whole press, when they see that Rob Ford goes back into a hospital, the press descends on the hospital and be like, oh, relapse, he's fucked up again. Meanwhile, he's in there with a cancer diagnosis, totally didn't relapse or anything, just in there trying to figure out what's going on. The press is hounding him, hounding everybody, the whole family, they're camped outside. I I mean, the kid, uh, there's a story in there where like, uh, Rob Ford's niece had to go on a school trip at one point in time, and uh, the chaperone or the the person who was representing whatever place they went to go visit just shit-talked Rob Ford the whole time because they didn't know that his niece was in the crowd. The, the idea of like what a drain this was to the Ford family is a recurring theme in the book. And when the cancer diagnosis happened, before they knew, before it was public that it was a cancer diagnosis, the whole press was like, he fucking relapsed again. Fucking knew it. Not going to be our mayor. Da, da, da. But after they get the cancer diagnosis, it comes out and Rob Ford's like, hey, I have cancer. It's the type of cancer that is uh, genetically, I didn't do it to myself with substance abuse. It's uh, the type of cancer he got. It was a rare form that's very aggressive that, uh, that stores in your uh, muscle and fat tissue and grows really fast. So when they found it, they said, if you can, if you can do chemo and you can get it out, you have a 50, 50 shot of living. So that's what they did. Now going through chemotherapy, Rob Ford knew that he, he didn't have the strength to be able to do another mayoral race. So he sat his brother, Doug down and was like, Hey, now you, you got to run for mayor, man. You got to do one thing for me. You got to run for mayor. I'm going to run for your ward. Eki Coke. I'm just going to go back to that job. I have, I have cancer. I got to do chemo. I know I can go back and get reelected in that ward. Those are my people. I care about them. Doug, I need you to run for mayor. So that's what happens. And there's speculation. The press was like, this was a plan the whole time. It's a ruse. But in the book, Doug's very offended at those conspiracy theories that like, why the fuck would we plan this shit at all? Like definitely wasn't. But at the time they had to deal with press stories about like, did the Ford family plan all this for Doug to become Mayor of Toronto. Meanwhile, you know, the whole family's dealing with Rob Ford's serious cancer diagnosis. And you don't even know if you can, if you can have successful surgery, will it, will it work? Um, so Doug runs for mayor, loses, but does get enough, does get a good voter turnout. People still love, there's the Ford nation is known as like a political constituency in Toronto because of Rob Ford's charisma. It was still there for Doug. Did he lose? Yeah, he definitely lost to the establishment candidate because he just wasn't Rob Ford. He's a good politician, but he doesn't have the charisma that that, that his brother Rob had. And his brother Rob couldn't run because he had serious cancer. Now, 
Rob Ford did undergo cancer surgery, and it was successful, and it did go away for a small amount of time. Unfortunately, then cancer reappeared on his bladder, and it was very aggressive, and there was nothing they could do about it. And so Rob Ford eventually passed away in 2016. I believe it was early 2016. Let me get the date right. It was 2016. It was March 22nd, 2016. Rob Ford passed away. But that's the story. That's the story of Rob Ford, Toronto mayor. You know, if you knew him at all, you just knew him as the guy who was on video and the, the crack the crack thing. That's all you knew. But did you know that he was influenced by Japanese business culture, all this other stuff? His dad, I didn't know his, he came from wealth. I didn't know his family had a $100 million company. That's another thing I really like about Rob Ford is that if your dad's worth $100 million, I think that's maybe why he went into politics with the with the angle he had. Now, this is just like a me thinking out loud thing, but like he was kind of trying to schoolhouse rocket the whole way. The way his politics looked, he was it was kind of like a, a simplistic way to look at at city politics, which is like I am representing people. I will just talk to them, and then when I get in there, I'm gonna be like, Why are you guys spending money on fancy dinners? It is sort of an endearing schoolhouse rocky way to look at at politics. Um, did the guy have massive problems and personal issues and demons? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, he was a, he was a flawed dude. But that's the story of Rob Ford, Toronto mayor. Now you know more about him than just the rumors that were out there. He's still uh, one of my favorite characters. That uh, And he makes me laugh when I'm, when I'm sad. And I think to look him up on YouTube, dude. So... Thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 53. Rob Ford taking care of business. Um, I really like learning about it. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, I'll be back on Thursday with Patreon. And uh, next Monday with another public one. Thanks so much, guys. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you.